What a phenomenal day in the presence of the Lord. If you are suspecting that God loves his ladies, you are right. That panel was unbelievable. Wasn't that fantastic? So powerful. I was chatting to uh, Mackenzie and uh, Pastor Jordan and just sharing. I have spoken at a number, a lot, of women's conferences, and I have never, ever witnessed a panel quite like that. I have heard a man speak at a women's conference, but to have a group of men sit on the stage and cry with the impact that women have made in their lives and cry as they speak about their heart to see women alive and empowered. There is something that can take place when a woman champions you, but when you have a man in front of you, he could be a father, a brother, a husband, whoever that might be, or whatever they might represent to you, to have them say to you, my heart for you is that you would go further than I would. My dream is that I would champion and unlock something in your life. I tell you what, there are very few things like that in the world. And uh, I am standing up today because I submitted I'm standing up today because every single time the Lord or my husband has asked me to submit to him, it has been for my benefit. It has been because I have been holding something inferior in my hands and he has something better for me. And sometimes we can confuse that word and it's taboo in our society. But with my God, when my God asks me to submit, He says, Libby, or my woman, you are holding on to something inferior. Would you submit under my greatness so that I can give you a greater part of who I am? And you better believe that every part of God is filled with greatness. It's filled with his abundance. It's filled with his majesty. And uh, every time I have uh, submitted and had to submit to my husband, it has been because I've had an inferior dream for my own life or our life. It has been because I wanted to downplay who I was or minimize. And uh, I'm standing in front of you today, not because I'm here with an agenda to champion women. It is because I have a passion to see women fully free. And to be fully free means I have to fully let go and fully lay down my life before the Lord. And as I do that before God, I am liberated because I no longer live for myself. I'm unafraid of what my motive is. I'm unafraid of what, I don't double guess uh, the decisions in my heart or my mind anymore. I used to be riddled with that. But I have made a decision to completely lay down everything and hand over it all so that when I sense God prompting me to do something or to speak, I'm never ever second guessing the motive of my heart because I know it is crystal clear, it is pure because I have nothing hidden left in me and I have no other agenda other than him. And so this morning as you heard me talk about my passion to see women arise and shine, it is for no other reason but the glory, the gold, the majesty, 
the magnificence of my Jesus. And inside both men and women, God has chosen to contain his nature. And so when we reveal who we are as women, we reveal who he is in us. Does that make sense? And so I went through many, many, many years where I believed as a woman, my, the highest goal or the, the greatest manifestation of God in me would be, and this is what we did, leaning over to my husband and whispering in his ear what I felt or what I saw God doing. And then he would get up and he would, this is how we used to minister together. And my husband would share that and he would release it. And I loved Jesus so much. He had redeemed me from everything. I thought that being a woman and having a leadership call on my life or having a message in my heart was the thorn in my flesh. That for the rest of my days, this would be something that I'd contain, I'd pull back, I'd suppress because this would be my worship to him. And he wouldn't take it away from me. He'd just give me grace to manage it and contain it. And uh, in God's kindness, he allowed me and uh, with his joy and, and his magnificent man, who he decided that I would be married to this magnificent man who was very counterculture to our environment um, and, and where we grew up. And uh, I would hear week after week, this is too small a goal for you. Or week after week, you have too much inside of you to keep silent. And I was so content. I don't have any ideas of grandeur. I don't actually have a huge significance button in my life. I, uh, I'm really, really, I really love and to help and support, but I had a man who would whisper in my ear and I had a heavenly father who would shout and roar over me as I was with him in the secret place. And year after year, month after month, the Lord would wear down every ounce of resistance and theology and he would begin to unpeel that off of me and he began to awaken me to the realization that when I truly value as a woman, as you truly value as a woman, as we, women of God, truly value who we are and what the Lord has put inside of us, we carry a key to empower, to loosen, and to release the kingdom of God in this world and to speak permission and empower our men like they have never seen it before. You heard my husband up here on this panel. I wanna pull back the curtain a bit. Because I'm powerful and because I have a voice does not mean my husband has to shrink back or I take space that he was supposed to take. Actually, I become a weapon in the Lord's hands so that my husband is bolder than he's ever been before. He is more confident than he has ever been in his life. And he feels so loved, secure, and empowered that every limitation is broken off his own life. See, sometimes we believe as women that there is a pie. This is what my friend shared with me. She said, Libby, you believe that there is one, and I love apple pie. How many of you are apple pie fans? Thank you, Father. Lots of cinnamon. <laughs> Woo! And I love my apple pie. And she said, Libby, you have a belief system that in the Lord's economy, there is one pie and depending on your choices and your life, you get to decide whether you get 
a slice this big or you get a slice this big. And you have a subconscious fear that if you say yes, like saying yes to God would ever be a problem. But if you say yes too much to God or too loudly or too freely, as if God's plans would ever set you up or anyone else to fail, if you decide to say full, a full yes to him, surrender everything and let go of your own fears and insecurities, you are afraid that if you fully do that, the slice of your pie would be so big, you're gonna take the person's next to you's slice or they're gonna have a diminished, smaller version or your husband is going to have a, a tiny piece because somehow in you saying yes to God, you took an inheritance that was supposed to be his or you took from your girlfriend across the room who is operating and loving the Lord with everything in her heart. If you do that, you're gonna take something that is hers. And she said to me in that moment, Libby, don't you realize that the Lord has not given you one apple pie, but he in his economy, in his kindness, in his majesty and greatness, he does not have one pie and say, who will take the most? And be careful, I'm watching the fault-finding husband, I'm watching. How big are you gonna take it? How big a slice are you gonna take? Because how much do you love other people? If you'll take a smaller slice of the pie, oh, then I'm gonna applaud you because you've left some for the rest. No, he says in his kindness, in his majesty, in his greatness, I am not a God of the poverty spirit. Poverty spirit has nothing to do with finances. It has everything to do with our internal economy. And he says, if you will let go and allow me to be God, Libby, actually that was pride in your heart. This is, aren't you thankful for friends who call out the truth and the real in your life? If you don't have them, get friends around you who love you so radically, they will tell you the truth. And you know they're telling you the truth to empower you and love you. And she said, Libby, that is pride. You think you know more than God. You think if you say yes to God and surrender it all, it's gonna damage someone else around you or steal from them. Don't you know your God? Who do you think you are serving? Our God is a God of majesty and magnificence and greatness. You don't get a slice of the pie. My friends, you get the entire apple pie in front of you and it is steaming hot at every moment and every second and it is ready for you to enjoy and consume because the more you eat of the Lord, the more you have to give away. And so she began to tell me, she, there, she gets a pie, shy, an entire pie. Libby, do you see that woman over there? She gets a pie. She has an entire pie to herself. Do you see that man over there? He gets a pie. I mean, God is more lavish than Oprah. You get a pie. She gets a pie. He gets a pie. She said, do you think the talk show host is greater than God? Everybody gets a pie. And, uh, and I wanna let you know, as you saw those powerful men on stage, this is a picture of hope for the church. As the woman of God arise, we do not squash, we do not shut down, but we empower and we become living permission slips to the men and women around us of what is possible with a life surrendered to Jesus, what is possible with a life submitted to God. When I submit to Him, he in his kindness lifts me up. 
when I have an agenda and I'm lifting myself up, we know the Bible tells us he'll kindly help us down because <laughs> he cares for us and he wants to protect us. And so how do you become great as a woman? You stop submitting to the fault-finding husband and you bind and you tie yourself to the gracious, all-powerful, majestic, good, unstoppable Jesus. The more I lay down, the more I get back in return. And uh, the enemy has wanted to persuade us otherwise, and he has wanted to make that word a swear word, and for legitimate reasons, there have been people who have modeled something different, that submission looks like silence, or it looks like pain, or it looks like withholding or being sidetracked. But let me tell you, our Jesus is so good. Our Jesus is so hungry for the world to know him. You just step forward an inch, he will tackle you down with such love and fierce passion and power you get up 10 times stronger. You stand up 10 times fuller. You get out of there 10 times bolder because you've laid your life down to him. And the Bible tells us that we serve a good father. This morning, to be seen, arise, our theme is to be seen. To be seen, we first need our Jesus, to come in and to lift us up. The morning, this morning we talked about our Jesus who takes us up the elevator of his love into his penthouse of romance, into his penthouse of empowerment and goodness. He rescued us from to take us up, to lift us up, to be seen. How many of you know you can't be seen when you're hiding? So he lifts us up with his love and says, you are worthy to be seen. You are worthy for the world's eyes to be on you. You are worthy for my eyes to be on you, not because of your good works, your striving, your perfection or your performance. You are worthy to be seen because I have redeemed you. You are a reflection of who I am. The more the world looks at you, the more they see me. The more the world looks at a woman who is redeemed and empowered, the more they're gonna look at a God who does the impossible. And so we looked at him lifting us up. And then now we are looking at how are we seen. When we are seen, to be seen is to engage in intimacy. In, to, me, you, see. And so if we're gonna engage in God, not our agenda, but God's agenda, heaven's agenda, you being seen and loved was not your idea. It was what you were created for. And as you are seen, you must not just be seen by being lifted up by the Lord, you must be seen into. How many of you have been around people and you've had a superficial relationship with them and they might say, well, this was my perspective. I'll pull the curtain back and how about I tell you lots of my secrets? I did this morning, so we'll just carry on. And uh, I was, I told you the poster child for being okay, so I was really good at people seeing this, okay? And I was really great at concealing this. And so this part of Libby 
got all the love because that's all people I allowed people to see. This Libby got all the attention and affirmation because that's all I presented to the people around me. And this Libby was the one who felt secure and confident. But this was not me. This was a version I chose to present to those around me. And this me, even though I was affirmed or I was loved on, the the people around me were affectionate with me. Here, this me, when I heard God say, you are chosen and loved, this me said, well, actually, if God really, if I really let him in to the searing pain that was inside of me from when I was rejected as a child, God would never trust me to lead his people. He would never say I was chosen because I have this pain going on and it's happening over here. And when people would see me and say, oh, Libby, you are looking beautiful today. This is what I presented. And there's nothing wrong with beauty. To know God and to be strong as a woman is to be feminine. But this that I presented would receive it. And this inside of me would say, well, if they only saw the absolute mess my soul was in, they would never, ever, ever call me beautiful. They're probably saying that because they feel sorry for me. Or they're saying that because they're Christian and they're my leaders and they have to be nice to me. That's what Christians do. And all the time, this version of Libby was getting the love, the attention, the affirmation. But the real me had built up quickly every argument that I could muster up as to why this was not true. You see, I was so good at saying, see me here. And I had got so good at saying, everything in me has concealed me over here. And God, in his kindness, has intended from the very, very beginning. We sang that song about creation. From the very moment of creation, God in his wisdom and his gracious love, in his, and I'm gonna say this again, wisdom, knew that for us to be fully loved, for us to fully arise, to be lifted up, if the only thing he did was redeem us and lift us up, he knew that in our minds, in our hearts, we would never ever feel adequate. We would never ever, we would feel like an imposter. So our God doesn't say, I just don't wanna redeem you and I wanna lift you up. I actually want to engage in intimacy with you. I actually want you to feel known and feel loved. You see, to be seen and to be heard is to be loved. They are synonymous. They are, there's no one without the other. And so this afternoon, we're not just lifted up by the Lord and he's allowing us to arise and to be seen, seen from in, to see or be seen from up here. I want you to feel seen from in here. I want you to know in your very existence, the inner core of who you are. I know it, I see it, and I've met you in that place. He wants you to have men and women around you who know the very depths of who you are. Intimacy, in to you, they see. And when we feel fully seen and we feel fully heard, the natural outworking is that we would feel fully loved that all those limitations placed on us would melt 
away. And I had, a, I shared a little bit of my story with you, but I had years and years of learning to perform for love because of sexual abuse, literally perform for love because I was taught on how to cope that I would perform for love in a, in a very uh, performance-driven environment. I went into the church, and from the outside, I thought, okay, I'm gonna have to do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll be accepted, then I'll be fully loved, then I'll be seen by you. And uh, the far as well, it was me back to the beginning. And I bet he's taken you there as well. It was his original intention. This is not a new idea that Brene Brown or Oprah or whoever else you're listening to came up with. This is biblical. This is the word of God. This was his idea in the beginning. And as men and women, in his kindness, he's allowed us to stumble on it. And uh, in Genesis, right in the beginning, you would have known it uh, and you would have heard it so well. And so we're gonna fly through Genesis 3, verse seven to 10 and 11 to 21 is what I'm gonna focus on. And I'm gonna share a whole lot of scripture with you. So if you don't have time to turn everywhere, that is absolutely okay. I would far rather you catch this then have a great list in front of you. I would far rather you receive from this than have every scripture turned to. And so let go and let God love on you lavishly and radically. His presence is so, so tangible in the room because he's about to show you that his heart was never to uncover you or to expose you. Intimacy never has to be scary when goodness and the Lord's love, safety, and protection is around. So he's not gonna just lift us up. He's gonna take us in, and he's gonna go in with us into me. You see, Genesis 3, verse 7 to 10, I want you to focus on, and then 11 to 21. Really simply, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They disobeyed God. They separated themselves from God. And uh, after they had committed the first act of disobedience. They had made the greatest failure known to mankind and uh, they had committed the, the sin that would separate all of humanity. God is not repelled by them. God does not separate himself from them. It says, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? How many of you know that an all-powerful God knew exactly where Adam and Eve were? It is the Father's intention to demonstrate His pursuit and His fierce love that seeks us and finds us. Where are you? It's a motive, it's words of His deep intent for them. And after we see God say, where are you? I'm gonna skip uh, over it for time, but I want you to dive in there and I want you to read it on your own this afternoon or, t or tonight. We begin to see something take place. And it was not God who pointed a finger and accused Adam and Eve of their failure, their wrongdoing. You see, we are great in the church about explaining what it means to be redeemed and restored. But what happens when we make mistakes? What happens as women when we fail? What happens when we don't quite hit the mark? God 
in his kindness doesn't just look at our wrongdoings. He looks at the root of it. You'll see here it says, so the Lord God said to the, servant, said to the serpent, he did not alone just say, Adam and Eve, come forward when we are vulnerable, when we allow people to see into our hearts, into our lives. It's not God saying, now, pay up for your wrongdoings. Uh-oh, because Jesus already did that. It is not God's moment to say, this is your exposure. And the more you feel exposed, the more you feel shameful about it, the less you're about to do that next time. Because the morning we heard that that was the fault-finding husband. But actually, God looks at the root. And he says to the serpent something very, very key. You can look there now. He says, because you have done this. You see, God not only addresses our wrongdoing to empower us, to love us, and to set us free, but when we allow him into our lives and into our hearts, he begins to show us the root and the wounds and the lies behind that. God is not a God who sticks plasters on pain. God is not a God who patches up the wound and say, there you go, let me tap you on the shoulder. He says, let me see your pain. Let me expose your failure to me. I will track you down. I will run after you. I will love you in it, but I won't stop there. I will go to the root of it. And he addresses the serpent. He addresses the enemy. And he says, because you have done this. And then how does the Lord God treat Adam and Eve? Not only does he allow for repercussions so that they might be shaped and learn from it. He is not the one who says, now you will pay. He's the one who says, hey, you may know this is what is about to happen because I'm a loving father, I'm gonna let you know. But we see in Genesis 3, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and for Adam and Eve, and he clothed them. They had fig leaves on them. They were clothed already. But in our pain, in our failure, in our mistakes as women, we need to know that our fig leaves to God are not offensive. He's not a, he doesn't want to uncover you. He actually wants to cover you so fiercely that he'll take off your fig leaves to give you a better covering. It says he sewed animal skins together and he placed it on them. That was God's idea. God wants to cover you in your pain. He wants to love you in your pain and set you free from the wound and the lie and the root from which it was produced. Does that make sense? And so when we talk about letting God in, I wanna let you know as women that the enemy would be intent on making you afraid of the very thing that is your weapon, vulnerability, intimacy, letting God in, not just to the glory, not just to the victories, but to our weakness and our failures is the very thing that is going to set you free. So he would love to make women passionate about perfection. He would love to make women fearful of being known and seen as they really are because he knows 
once you take it to him, God, once you show him all that is deeply going on within you, the enemy knows if you take it to God, not only will it be addressed and empowered so that like the perfect husband Jesus, you'll be with him and you'll walk away empowered, set free, but he knows you will be covered like you've never been covered before. You will not be exposed, but you will be sheltered And as women, we've been given a desire, a deep desire in our hearts to be fought for, to be protected, to be shielded, to stand in the gap on behalf of. And that is not weakness. That is the Lord's deep desire in his heart. He wants to show you that you're fought for. He wants to show you that he loves to cover you. He wants to hold you in your weakness. But if we as women are constantly portraying this version of what living everything, the Christian life, or live femininity, and this is receiving everything, we are withholding from God his deepest desire. We are withholding from God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, his deepest desire. And that is to show us that he's a father. He wants to hold, provide, and protect. If I'm saying to God, oh God, this is going on and it's a big problem. I don't know if you've ever prayed like this with me. God, I'm really worried about my husband, and I don't know how work is gonna go for him, and uh, I am am afraid of what might happen in that regard financially for us as a family. But God, I thank you that you've given me everything I need for life and godliness, and I am going to go to work, and you have empowered me to provide for my family as well. And don't worry, God, we're okay. We'll make do with everything you have, everything you've given us, and we'll make a plan. And God, just joking, I'm absolutely okay, and praise the Lord. And then I have a conversation with God and I jump in my car. And when I'm in my car, I feel this fear creep up in me. And I say, God, I'm fearful for my children. My daughter is not being treated well by her team that she's playing for. The sports team is not treating her well. Will she make friends? Will she be okay? And in the next breath, I say, but I bind that spirit of affliction in the name of Jesus. And I put my worship and I say, oh, no. I'm gonna praise through this and I put my worship music on loud and I start to sing out to the Lord and then some of you who have been touched by Holy Spirit start to pray in tongues and we think that we're gonna pray the pain away. I think that in those moments, actually I know because this is how I operate, God is saying, if you would give me a moment to come and tell you everything will be okay. I have been waiting on the edge of my seat for you to hear my voice and for me to tell you that I've got a plan for you and I've got a miracle coming your way and I wanna show you what it's like to be loved by a father because I know that you've never experienced what it's like to be provided for and to be fought for. I am going to take care of this so you don't have to. I've been waiting Would you let me tell you as a father? And we say, oh God, I'm gonna show you how godly I am. And start praying it away. And then our father is saying, I love that you have spiritual gifts. I'm so proud that you use that shiny, 
spirit-filled red t-shirt that I gave you on Sunday and uh, you're using it as a weapon. I'm just, that's an illustration. None of you, it would ever apply to any of the, you in the room because you're all much holier than I am. And uh, God says, I love that you use that gift I gave you, but I don't want you to keep using gifts. I want you to meet with me. I want you to meet the gift giver. Will you take a moment and breathe? And we over here, as we've been crying out and saying, God, I have a fear for my daughter. God, I don't know what will happen with her, but don't worry, God, I know you provide in all things and God is good and you are good and I'm gonna be okay. And, and we talk ourselves into this spiritual or Christian frenzy because somehow we felt like pain offends God or pain is failure when actually Jesus wants to come in and he doesn't just wanna rescue you and set you free. He actually wants you to know that he's okay stepping into the mud and mire. That's a scripture, by the way. It's in Psalms. It's not just New Testament, it's Old Testament too. And he steps in and he says, I want to be in this. I want to be in the midst with you because I want you to realize, my daughter, that that moment when you were young and you were bullied by the woman around you or the young girls when you were younger because you were successful or you didn't look like them or talk like them, I wanna let you know that I'm gonna redeem those moments in your daughter. That pain you experienced when you were little, that you will do everything in your power to helicopter parent your daughter out of so that doesn't take place with her. You don't have to be her defender any longer. You don't have to wear armor that was never supposed to be yours. That moment where you didn't know me when you were a little girl, your daughter will never have to fight that fight because you have found me and I want to be your defender. I'm gonna give you a secret, my daughter. I'm gonna meet you right there. I'm gonna tell you it's okay for you to be in pain and it doesn't scare me or offend me. It actually is a doorway. Your fear is a doorway into love. If you will allow me to walk into your pain or your fear right now in the car as your, your pain for your daughter triggers something for your, from your own past, if you will allow me to walk into it and sit with you in it, you would realize for the first time in your life, and this is, you can feel because this is a real experience from my own life, you will begin to see that you are unrejectable. No one else wanted to be with you when you were in your pain, but I do. I'm not offended. You're not too much for me. What's going on in your life is not inconvenient. You are the apple of my eye. Watch how much I love you. I'm gonna step into the mud with you and I'm gonna look you full in the face, eye to eye. I'm gonna tell you I see you. I see you and I am not offended. I see your pain and you have not let me down. I see you in your fear and I do not call it faithlessness. I call it an opportunity for you to be rescued. I call it an opportunity for me to redeem and to restore what was once stolen for you, from you. I call this a moment for me to be savior. Libby, I love being your savior. Would you let me be your savior right now? God is saying that over you again and again. He's saying to you, just you. Will you let me, Jesus, be your savior 
in this moment. Would you let me see into you? Intimacy is not dangerous when it comes to me. This is the very intention I gave. This is my very intention. This is the gift I wanna give you. When you get to the other side of heaven, you will never, ever, ever be able to give God your pain because the Bible tells us we won't have it anymore. You will never, ever, ever be able to give God your disappointment and allow him to come and meet you in it because the Bible tells us he's wiped away every tear. The, the moments of pain, failure, and mistakes, and I'm not talking about moral sin. I'm preaching to inspire. There's no way I'm gonna cover every block and cross every T and dot every I, hear what I'm saying, not what I'm not saying. All of those moments when we hand them over to God and we allow Him to take gently and kindly our fig leaves off, He wants to make you a better covering. He wants to provide for you in a higher way. He wants to love you in a way that He can never meet you in heaven. He wants to, did you know that? This is the only time we get to do this. He says, if you let me into your pain, your failures, your questions as a woman, this is worship to me. This is you allowing me to be God. You know when we pray and we sing these songs, you are great and glorious. You wipe a thousand failures away. Do you realize that those songs are worship songs? He doesn't just want them, he doesn't just want them sung. He wants us to live them out. He wants the incense of our lives to go up to him and say, God, would you be savior so I, so I reflect the world that I am not? Would you be my father? Too many of you, too many of us in the room this afternoon have been our own covering. We've been our own savior. We've been our own provider. We've been the one who's fought for ourselves or for our families and our loved ones. And I see Jesus in his kindness, the father in his kindness, Holy Spirit in his kindness saying, I wanna come in. I want, let me in. Let me see those places of your life. Not so I can expose you, so I can free you. And so I can, once and for all, love you. To be seen and to be heard is to be known. And the Father is coming this afternoon. Will you relate? And he's saying, will you let me be God? Will you relinquish your own ability, would you relinquish the imposter, this version of yourself? And would you make room for the real, the authentic? Because I tell you what, that is not scary or overwhelming. It is a doorway into love. It is a doorway into encountering God. It is a doorway into freedom. It is a doorway into the more of God. And so we see in Genesis 3, Man hides, but God calls. Man deflects, that's what they did. They accused one another. God confronts. Man disobeys, God covers. Satan lied, but God established truth. And man makes a plastic self. He sews his fig leaves together. Religion, he comes all dressed up to God, but Jesus sent 
Jesus was sent so that no fig leaf would be required, no plastic self would be needed. That separates you from God. No argument in your head or your heart could separate you from him. He wants to come in so that he can eliminate every argument. Oh, but if you only knew, or oh, if you only saw, or oh, if you only found out, he wants to dismantle those things so that when a woman looks you in the eye and says, you look beautiful today, you know internally, I am weak, I feel fragile, But man, I have made room for God in my life and he has called me beautiful. He has made me full. He has provided for me because I've laid down my right to be my own covering or my own infilling and I've made room for him. When a leader or someone in the church says to you, you have so much potential. The call of God on your life is so great. You are called to change the city of Boise. You don't have an argument left in your head that says, well, if you only knew how I screamed at my kids this morning to make my way to the ladies' conference so I could get out the door in time. If you only knew, because instead of blasting the worship music on the way to the women's conference so that somehow it would blast away the shame and pain of the way you treated your babies on the way here, you turned the music off and you said, God, would you see into me right now? I feel like I messed up. I'm ashamed of the way I did that. God, would you come in because I'm not afraid of you any longer and I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid of pain or shame any longer. God, would you come and meet me right now? Everything in me wants to push you away, but I know that's the very thing the enemy would want to disqualify me. Would you come in? Would you come into this car right now, mid-step, Mid-carpool, would you come and meet me in this moment and the presence of God would begin to fill your room and he would say, give me your fig leaves. I wanna make skin for you that is soft and covers every part of you. I wanna give you the slain, the finished work. I wanna give you Jesus right now. And he comes in and he holds your face in his hands and he says, you were real sharp with your kids this morning. You were very intense with your children this morning. He doesn't hide or say something nice. He's so honest, but he says, my baby girl, I knew that you were so passionate about being on time because you have a spirit of excellence. I know that you wanted to be in this room because you knew I had something for you and you've been so tired for so long and you have been pushing through day after day, month after month, week after week and year after year and you are tired You don't have to do this by yourself anymore. You shouted and you snapped because you felt alone. I know who told you you were alone. I know who's been whispering in your ear and telling you that you aren't good enough. It's not me and it's not them. It's the age old accuser. I'm gonna take your face in my hand, says God, and I'm gonna look at you eye to eye. I know the root of what's going on. My baby girl, will you let me take the pain that you've been carrying as you've contended for breakthrough for your family? Would you let me take the pain of what's been going on as you've pressed in for financial freedom for your husband? Would you let me take the pain of being 
without a covering, without a mother and father, since you were 14 and you are 47 now, will you allow me to come and love you in that space? Will you allow me to meet you? And then the presence of God begins to rush in, like it's rushing in over some of you right now. And for the first time, you feel validated. You don't feel exposed. You feel valued. You feel heard and you realize you're seen. And he looks at you and says, you don't need to do it on your own any longer. You don't need to push through anymore. I've got a gift for you. Holy Spirit, and then a dance of the Trinity begins to take place around you. And they're not exposing you or they're not selling you out. They're saying, let us provide for you. Let us empower you. Let us give you what you've been needing. And in the car, on the way to the women's conference or in the carpool, on the way to those cheeky but beautiful children, you feel the presence of God begin to empower you. It's real. It's not just a song. It's not theology. It's not just a scripture that you write on your wall. It is real. He is real. He has a reality, an experiential reality for you, but it is one honest moment away. It is one moment of vulnerability away. It is one moment of intimacy away, and he's been waiting on the edge of his seat for you to get honest with him, honest with yourself, honest with the men and women around you. And in that moment, he comes in and he says, I've been waiting to fill you with the strength. I've been waiting to take that pressure of having to have it all together off your shoulders. And you begin to feel the weight lift off your shoulders and the chaos and the cloudiness of your mind begins to dissipate and clarity begins to fill your mind. You begin to feel strength in your bones again. And you know what? It didn't only come after hours of prayer. It didn't come from a worship moment or an intercession in tongues. Those are powerful, they are needed. But I'm here this afternoon to share a secret weapon with you. God wants in. God wants in. God wants in. In. He wants to come in and say, you are seen. And as you are seen, you are filled, you are freed, you are empowered. And then as you're driving mid-step, I do this all the time. You get to cross over into the ladies' meeting. You get to walk into carpool. And you know what your children, as they jump in the car, jump into? A car filled with an encounter, not a failed mother. As you step into the conference, you know what you step into this room with? You step into this room with an anointing and a strength that came from the Father. You, get, you carry heaven all over you. So as a woman walks past you, she suddenly feels peace. Because you didn't work hard. You carry his deep. You've, you've met with God. You've encountered God. You carry his DNA you carry him on you. Encounters are not moments. You become what God releases. Does that make sense? When you got saved as a woman, you don't walk around saying, I got saved. You say, I am a daughter of God. You don't say, I was adopted. I had a really great moment. You say, 
I am his chosen one. Does that make sense? And so when you engage in intimacy, when you let God in, that's why the enemy attacks us with he attacks us in the area of femininity and especially with women because he knows it is the weapon that God has given you. He knows it is the very thing that will make you not just amazing. Let me tell you, woman of Boise, being amazing is too low a goal for you. Having it all together is too small a thing. God wants more for you. He wants you to allow yourself to be weak so that you can meet with him and become unstoppable. That's heaven's goal. That's heaven's purpose for you. He's saying it's too low a goal to have it all together. Oh no, oh no, everyone, Martha Stewart's got a list. She has a perfect guest bedroom. We can all do that if we try really hard. No, he says, I want you to walk with an unwavering confidence. I want you to go to sleep at night not rehashing where you made a mistake or what weird thing you said to so-and-so when you last had a conversation. He says, I have a higher goal. I don't just want revival on your hands. I don't just want a great external ministry. Oh no, that's too low a goal for you, woman of Boise. I want an internal ministry in your life. I want a revival for you that is of the head and the heart. And that begins with God coming in, letting him in, letting him see you and being seen. And as you do that, you will not just be amazing, you will be unstoppable. You will not just have good works, but you will have goodness and mercy in every thought process and in every emotion, not because you made it happen, but because you allowed yourself to be weak and fragile, you allowed yourself to be loved. The highest level of Christianity is not doing the good works, but receiving his good work towards you. I want you to close your eyes quickly for me. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the sign and symbol to us that our God is not a God just of words or lofty promises of a dreamy hope, but you are the sign and symbol to us that our God is all action. Our God is all reality. Our God is not just a God of good works, but he is a God who does a good work in us. And so Holy Spirit, you are safe. You are our empowerer. You are the great gift that Jesus gave us. Jesus, you said, I must go so that I can give you a gift. And man, as women, we love gifts. We welcome in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I welcome in the peace of God. I welcome in the counselor, Paracletos, the one who walks alongside us. And God, I know, oh, I need counseling, God. I need a counselor to walk alongside me because quite plain and simply, 
I don't have what it takes. And if there's any woman in the room who might be like me, I thank you, Holy Spirit. She's about to be introduced to safety for the first time, perhaps in years. She's about to be introduced to peace, maybe for the first time in months. And she's about to meet the manifestation of God's empowerment. She's about to meet the strength of the Trinity, the one who, would, who does and says everything that Jesus would were he right in front of us. Holy Spirit, you are woman's best friend. You are our secret weapon. You are the one that God has given us. And so right now, Holy Spirit, would you reintroduce yourself to the woman in the room? Would you reintroduce yourself? Perfect love. Would you reintroduce yourself? Peace. Would you reintroduce yourself? Safety. Would you reintroduce yourself? Empowerment. Would you reintroduce yourself? Covering. I just see a blanket of God coming around shoulders right now and saying, you've been out on the front line for far too long. Come in, let me cover you, let me love you, let me protect you so you can go out 10 times stronger. I hear God say in the room that right now he's eliminating the words, I am not enough. I hear him saying he's eliminating should. I hear him saying right now that he is picking up the label, I should have known how to do this. I should be great at this. I should be like Robin, there's something wrong with me, I'm not good enough. I should have been further along by now. If I looked or acted in a different way, people would have, should have loved me more. I hear him saying that he's lifting off your own fig leaves you've sewn together. And I hear him saying, my baby girl, you've done so well to get this far. When you're in a war, it is a victory to survive. But for you and I, not just for me to lift you up, but for us to dive in, to lean in to the more. I'm so grateful you've let me see you. I'm so grateful you've let me in. For us to go further in this journey, I'm so grateful that you have allowed me to release the safest level of intimacy. You've allowed me to see you and you've allowed me to give you a greater covering. Well done, fig leaves. You've got them this far. It's time for new clothes. It's time for a higher covering. It's time for a greater measure of love. And so love of God, would you come like those animal skins? Would you come like the finished work of Jesus promised them? Would you come and manifest the physical experience of love? Say, love, would you cover every head? Love, would you cover every heart? Even some of you now are gonna feel the warmth of God. Love 
God's love is not cold. God's love is warm and it is safe. Some of you right now, you haven't felt safety for years. The safety of heaven is rushing around you. And for others of you, he's gonna give you a glimpse of what the carpool line is about to look like. When you allow heaven to invade, he's gonna show you what your mid-step can become when you invite your kind and good father into those moments. He's gonna begin to show you as you drop your head on the pillow tonight. For the first time, some of you are going to have peace of mind. You're going to have, for the first time, this is what I see, a blank thought life. You're gonna hit your head on the pillow and instead of your mind spinning, you're gonna begin to have an absolutely uninterrupted sleep. I hear him saying, woman of Boise, I'm lifting off perfection. I'm eliminating performance. I'm melting away shame because you've allowed me to see in to you. Because you've allowed me in, I've got a higher mandate for you. I've got a greater goal for you. I've got a more significant promise. You are gonna look just like me. You are gonna feel just like me. Your head and your heart, you and I, we're gonna be unstoppable. You and I, we're gonna go on an adventure where your ministry internally is gonna be far greater than any external ministry you're about to do. You and I, we're gonna fall in love at a whole new level because to be seen and to be heard is to be loved. And so in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I invite the one John promise. I invite the promise of James that as we live in the light, as we are seen by God, we have the deepest fellowship with our Father and we have the deepest fellowship with one another. God, we give you permission to see us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Beautiful.